Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody. This is Howard Fox, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. For my co-host, Randy Ford, we hope you are having a fantastic day. Our guest today is a returning guest, Jim Moran. Now, Jim is the co-founder and president of Simplify ISO. Jim and his team have been helping organizations simplify their quality management systems since 1992. Now, just in case you thought that Jim's name sounded familiar, he was our very first guest on the Success Insight podcast way back in February, and he appeared again in episode 23 not too long ago, where we chatted quite a lot about ISO quality standards and leadership and kind of gave me the idea of wanting to talk a little bit more about the standards, leadership, and additional activities that will naturally take place if you're an organization that follows the ISO quality standards. Now, Jim's joining us again today to chat about a project that he's also just launched, which will apply to why we wanted to have him come back on the show or asked him to come back on the show. So, Jim Moran, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have you as a guest. It's great to be here, Howard, and thanks for taking the time and trouble to put this podcast together. I know it it doesn't happen just at the snap of the fingers. There's a lot of work goes into these things. They We try to make it look easy, but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, that's for sure. You know, I wish a lot of other people, folks that are enrolling in the podcast or are curious about it, would actually realize that. And speaking about making it easy on your website, the Simplify ISO website, you have ISO tips and you are just a prolific, what I would call as blogger. Now you have written content. You also have the Simplify ISO YouTube page. And so there's a video that accompanies each blog. And then I, I know we're sharing that blog plus the video out onto LinkedIn as well. And just the prolific nature. I mean, you're kind of tracking about a blog Posts a week, aren't you? Yep. I usually put the video together Sunday afternoon. I don't watch football, so that makes it a little easier to find the time. And then maybe edit it that night or the next day. And then Tuesday, once I listen to the video that I made, I actually create the blog post after. Instead of having to try to follow a script to do the video, I just let the video go and then match the blog to it. After all that's done, it doesn't take too long. It only takes about 10 or 15 minutes to put it all together in a MailChimp mail out and away we go. It's been uh, quite interesting building this content up. As you mentioned, we've got 51 or 52 tips now in the Simplify ISO uh, YouTube channel, plus an additional 10 called building a quality culture. And then there's uh, another seven on the clauses of the standard one video for each clause. They run a little bit longer, but they're getting the most views. That is for sure. Uh, What's the importance about those clauses that they're getting the most, the most views? Well, most organizations who want to get this certificate, and there are now 1.8 million around the world that have it, and many organizations require that their suppliers be ISO 9001 certified or, or, or they don't buy from them. 
And this has been a real issue with world trade as it expanded. 1992 was a huge jump for ISO certification because many organizations feeling a pinch here in North America uh, looked elsewhere for new customers. And the customers said, sure, we'll buy from you. Oh, by the way, you are ISO 9001 certified, aren't you? And it had been around for five years by that time, since 87. But a lot of organizations didn't really understand what it was for and why it was important to them. So it, that was the first version, 1987. Second was 94. Then 2000, 2008. And then the latest one came out in 2015. And it it's been steadily growing about, I would say probably about 6% growth a year, huge growth, much higher than 6% currently in China, because so many North American, even European companies are sourcing products in China. And the idea is that if they have an ISO 9001 certificate, there is at least some kind of management system in place. It doesn't necessarily guarantee a perfect product delivered on time, but it does guarantee that the company you're purchasing from will at least have some kind of corrective action methodology or procedure in place where if something does go wrong, they have a formal method, a formal process to correct the problem and do a cause analysis to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. So those are kind of the key things that people want out of an ISO certified company. And of course, every country in the world now practically i think it's up to about 172 countries have what they would call registrars in those countries that go around to the companies who want to become iso certified and do what's known as an audit they do a certification audit they do surveillance audits and and that's another thing some of the listeners may not realize is that when an organization puts up that banner ISO 9001 certified, they're they're actually being audited by an external party every year. It's, every year. Yep. And some go six months, but but the traditional model is every year. Now the the ISO system that you are marketing and you've developed for your clients, what is the problem that they're facing that makes your your system attractive or or a necessity perhaps? In, yeah, yeah. I love to think of it as a necessity, of course. <laughs> but the, the 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 three things that keep recurring in this world, in the world of ISO certification, are first of all, document control. There are a number of documents that people put together to have that they call their management system. So there's doc like procedures, work instructions, charts, uh, planning tools, different things like that. So that's one issue. They've got to manage all this stuff. Then the second one is that when they have a nonconformance, they are supposed to go through a number of steps and do an activity called close out the nonconformance. Well, Jim, let me ask you a quick question. What is a nonconformance? What qualifies as a nonconformance? Excellent question, Howard. Thank you very much. The definition of a nonconformance is non-fulfillment of a requirement. So we decided to have this podcast today at four o'clock. If I didn't show up till four twenty, that'd be a nonconformance. The agreement was you and I are going to have a podcast at, at four o'clock. We had it in our procedures. Yes. And so you knew it, I knew it. So that that's an important point. If I ISO doesn't dictate what you have to do, but just dictate you're going to do something and you've documented what you're going to do. 
That's exactly correct. And this is true of all 17,000 ISO standards. It tells you what you need to do to get certified, but it never tells you how to do it. I often hear the statement, oh, well, we don't like doing it, but ISO says we have to. Well, no, it doesn't. It, 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 people misinterpret their requirements quite often. In fact, the next point is maybe an example of that. With the first one we said was document control. The next one is this closing out of nonconformances. There are certain things that you have to demonstrate that you've done. For example, you have to demonstrate you contained the problem. You have to demonstrate that you figured out what caused the problem. You have to show what you did to correct the problem to keep it from recurring. And then you have to look at your risk management activities and ask the question, could we have anticipated this if we had done a better risk analysis? So, But how you do all those things doesn't really matter. It's just a case you have to have evidence that you did it. And that's usually in some kind of form. Uh, what our platform does is it gives a company an electronic form or an automated form to keep track of all this stuff so they don't have a bunch of paper around and fold file folders and books and all that kind of stuff. It's all right there. And they can get to it from their phone as well. Excellent. And uh, the third one, so we've got document control, we've got closing out nonconformances that don't get done. The third one is missing internal audits. One of the requirements of the standard is that you audit your entire system once a year. And, and the, they don't say once a year in the standard, they say at regular intervals, but it's the registrar who requires that their clients do at least once a year. So the what's hap- what happens is people run out of time. The auditor shows up, the audits aren't finished. So we've built in a schedule, we've built in reminders, we've got forms in there that are really easy to fill out after the audit's finished. And we even supply, if someone wants it, a blank checklist form that they can use when they're out on the floor doing the audits. So I'm curious with the with the your solution or any other solution, it seems like there's the heart you're doing you're adhering to ISO, you've made some commitments, hopefully you're mm-hmm. doing the work. You could do it manually mm-hmm. or you could automate it, which is the service you know you and your your team are providing. What would lead a company not to want to take advantage of automating this? Because I could see where, you know, you as a leader, as a owner, mm-hmm. you know, your quality manager, your your staff who don't understand ISO, who, you know, or, or you've just hired some new people that they may have heard of it, maybe they haven't, but they need to understand it. What would lead them not to want to invest whatever that investment is, in some some type of system to help control these three issues? Well, a lot of times a person who is making the decision on whether or not they'll invest in a platform like ours is not the person who's actually doing the work day-to-day. So once the day-to-day person shows the decision maker how much time this platform can save them, that sometimes helps swing the decision in our favor. But until the value is seen, and that's where we are really fortunate this day and age with the technology we have, I can take people online for 10 or 15 minutes and show them exactly how this can help them. 
most people see it pretty instantly. If they don't see it in the first 10 minutes or so, it's probably not going to happen. And people who have inherited systems that are maybe overbuilt or overdesigned, they really love this platform because it helps them ferret out what it is they want to keep. Because a lot of companies have a lot of great stuff that they've built over the years, but other companies have stuff they've built plus extra stuff that they don't really need. And this this platform helps people make the decision of what to keep and what to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also takes all the manual work out of things like maybe calibrating, keeping track of equipment you have to calibrate, keeping track of customer satisfaction reports, supplier evaluations, internal audits, and non-conformances, all that stuff. So it really makes life easier for the person or people who are actually looking after the system. And everybody can have access to it. If they have a phone or a tablet, PC, laptop, doesn't matter. Sure. They can get in there and they can either access something if they need to know how to do something, or they can file a report right from their phone. So I'm curious, whether we're in Europe, whether we're China, here in the U.S., I've got this system And what happens with new employees that are coming on board? Do they get sent away for training? Do they get a big binder? What happens to them? Or even perhaps they've been out of the, on the quality side for a while. Maybe they haven't had a deal with it. Now they're back in and need those kinds of refreshers. What happens to those individuals? How does the company ensure that there's a continuity taking oh, place? Great question. Thanks. Most registrars have a two-day course that they send their employees off to and they get a generic overview of ISO and they get maybe to, they get a chance to discuss what's going on at their place with people from other places. That's one method. There are people like me that'll come into an organization and you wait till you have a bunch of people together and I'll train them all at once. And most registrars do that as well. And then there are online courses. And we actually just launched one two weeks ago. And I guess depending on when the viewer sees this, we launched one in the first part of September of 2019. And I walk people through the standards, starting with something they know, which is how the workflows through the organization. In ISO, it's Clause 8 called Operations. And then we build on that. We show them how resources, what role resources play, and then how planning fits in, what leadership is supposed to be doing, measurements, how to take measurements of your system to see if it's working. Then we talk about improvement. And then finally finish up with sort of the whole picture in one big giant. It's kind of like a flowchart really is what we use. And and the course runs about an hour and a half, almost an hour and a half, an hour and 22 or 23 minutes and has a 56-page workbook. And then, as is required by ISO 7.2, the confidence part, we give them a certificate at the end. They send us their name as they like it to appear on certificate. We make up a certificate and send it off to them. So that way, when the auditor comes and says to the person managing the system, asks, does so-and-so have the requirements to be considered competent? They say, yes, and here's the certificate they took this course. So I'm curious that you've got the two-day course that a registrar might send folks off to or have somebody come in and just train everybody all at once. This program that you just created and, and launched it's essentially just a, it's just in time learning based on the need and yeah and that's a great way to describe it i never thought of it that way cuz you're right they can look they can look at it at home they can look at it during lunch they can take part of it stop 
do another part. So the exercises involve the participant talking to people in the company and finding things out about how the company is meeting the requirement of the standard. Excellent. So really, this is a cost-effective way to get brought up to speed or to learn ISO for that very first time. Yep, it is. It sells for $88 Canadian, which I think is around 60 US. That's as of today, October of 2019. I'm curious too. So if, if I was going to send a, a group of people off to a two-day course, what would I be paying? Typically, a normal two-day course in pretty much all over North America runs about eight hundred ninety-five dollars for two days. Some are seven ninety-five, but most are eight hundred ninety-five. Then there's, of course, the travel and hotel and all that other stuff too. Sure, and then bringing somebody like you in all at once. I mean, you've got your day rate. That would be a two-day course as well. Oh, yeah, we do a two-day course. One advantage of it is that for probably, it would be, you know, it'd work out to be about a quarter of the price of sending four people away to a course, and you could have a dozen people there. Right. Uh, it's really specific to the organization, and we can use examples right from their own world as opposed to sitting through a couple of days of generic examples, although you do get to meet other people when you go away to a public course. So That's that, always an advantage. I mean, you get to... Meet other people, you build, you start to network, which is incredibly important, and yep. develop new relationships. Would an organization still continue to do this and, and supplement with the course that you've just launched, or would it be perhaps just a replacement from a budgetary standpoint? We know we need to invest. However, the costs are prohibitive, and so this is a great value for us. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a good question. We're certainly hoping that that's the way people would see it. I suspect it'll be most valuable if the person who's responsible for the management system or the people who are responsible for the management system, the QMS, you might call it, quality management system, if they did the course with the new employee, that would be the ideal situation. They'd be able to talk about what they're doing in the course, and it would actually help the person delivering the course, the person responsible, it would help them explain how their company meets the requirement a little bit better than they then they wouldn't learn this at all by going to a public course. Sure. You know, it just dawns on me that you could probably make a case for providing both your course, this, this hour and a half course, mm-hmm. and keep pursuing the bringing you in for a whole group of people because mm-hmm. this gives you the immediate education. It's not specific enough, perhaps. You are getting to some specificity because you're asking the individual who is learning this material to go off into the organization, ask questions, Mm -hmm. learn about the organization, the culture, the processes. But then your going into an organization could be, let's talk about what you just learned. So maybe it is not a, maybe it's a two-day course. Maybe it's a one-day, they've already got the certification. So they've, they've reached their goal. But now you're in some ways, you know, here's what you learn. Now we're going to talk about what you learn. What questions do you have? How do we fully bring this home? That's a great model. I like that. Do you have that copyrighted or can I use that idea? You know, Jim, you've been such a gracious guest and I know this is my gift to you. Well, thank you so much, Howard. Um, (laughs) That's the beauty. Another beauty of this standard, since the how to do it is not specified anywhere or, or not prescribed anywhere that's the beauty of this whole family of standards is that you have to meet the requirement but you do it your own way you can imagine the difference between a three or four person personnel agency and a four thousand person steel mill 
mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're going to do things quite differently. And it's uh, surprising to me still, even after 27 years at this, I'm continually surprised at how well organizations can adapt this standard to help them run their business better. I guess that's really from the quality perspective, that's really what it's all about. It's not about perfection in the product or service you deliver. It's how do you keep your customers happy? That's the first thing. How do you use the process approach? This is from Taiichi Ono, one of the builders of Toyota through the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. His whole approach was the process approach. And then, of course, continual improvement. If you aren't getting better, it's going to seem to your customers like you're getting worse, even if you're staying the same. So those three principles, customer focus, process approach, continual improvement, they help. They can help any business in the world. It's remarkable how many have applied it. Services, of course, uh, they, they were huge in the 90s. Services were coming on board at twice the rate of manufacturers. And now it's probably about the same 50-50. Mm-hmm. It's such a great business model. And even for someone who thinks they may never get certified, I mean, if you had a look at the video, our training course, and then just use the standard as a guide for running your business, there'd still be lots of value there. True. It's a great way to see if there's something you could be doing to run your business better. That's as if a person had enough time to do that kind of planning and exploring. But for those that can, it can be a very good investment in time, that's for sure. Fantastic. Well, Jim, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day and to talk to us. Really want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to chat with us some more about your work, you know, ISO, this new course that you've designed. And we would love to give our guests a path to learn more about you and your work. So what's the best way to get to know you and your work? Well, you mentioned simplifyiso.com. It's a website. Uh, there's a, the blogs that you mentioned, blog posts that are there under ISO tips. And then right beside it, there's a little tab called training. And you'll see the ISO essentials training course right there. It takes you right to a page with a little bit of description. And that goes right to our store where it's for sale. And I think we have a special introductory offer, don't we, Howard, through you? Uh, You know, I think for our guests, uh, I think you are offering 20% off through the end of October. So thank you. Yes. With the American Exchange, it's almost like we're paying them to take the course. There you go. We're going to get this course up to our podcast platform as quickly as possible. And We will certainly provide the links back to the Simplify ISO website, as well as to the YouTube site where your videos are living. And we'll provide a link directly back to the course page on the website. And we'll include the discount code that's going to be good through the end of October. Jim, it's, again, always a pleasure. I love chatting with you. And I feel like, you know, I learned something new every time we have a conversation. So thank you and for the time and the great work that you're doing. Well, you're certainly welcome, Howard. And thanks for the opportunity of getting the message out to some more people through that all the work that you do. Like I mentioned before, it looks so easy, but there's all kinds of stuff goes on behind the scenes that we both have to do to get our messages out to people. So thanks for all your efforts at your end as well. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. There you have it, folks. We've just been chatting with Jim Moran, co-founder and president of Simplify ISO. And always a pleasure to kind of hear 
about his work. I mean, it's just kind of fascinating. And it, the, his work touches so many industries and on a global scale. And in some ways, this type of work, while the work is complex, it, it keeps it under control because we keep our employees focusing on what's most important. And that's typically producing the product, selling a product, marketing a product, designing a product. And we don't want to waste their time. We don't want them chasing things they shouldn't have to chase. And we want to take the stress out of the work that they do. So it's timely still. So we'll provide the links back on our show notes to the website, as well as to the YouTube channel. And of course, the course page, and we'll provide a discount as well. So for my co-host, Randy Ford, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there and have a phenomenal day. We'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.